Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. So open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Good morning. How you doing? Glad you're here. I'm glad you're here too. Hey, what if I told you that if you get what we're talking about today, your life totally changes? It's a big promise, right? But what I'm going to talk to you about today is, in fact, one of the most pressing issues in your life, and it is the key in your life to having a whole different kind of life. And that's for everybody. If your life is good, it will be better. If your life is okay, it will be better. If your life is not so good, it will be better. This is a biblical principle that God has given us, and the thing about it is this. It is hard to step across the line. I mean, it's, it's tough because everything in you is going the opposite direction because our culture and our world goes the other direction. But once you finally take a step out across the line, you will discover this thing. You will discover that God was right all along, and you will be upset that you didn't do it earlier. Let me give you an example. So I have always wanted to jump out of an airplane. This past Wednesday, I finally did. It was awesome. Man, it was so cool. Uh, there's a whole sermon that I wrote um, as soon as I landed. It was like all in my head, like, wow, this is such an awesome picture of, of the gospel. But Here's what I want to say about that. I had two kinds of people in my life. This kind of people said, you are nuts. And their, their, their statement is this. There's no good reason to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I had the other side who said this. You're going to love it. The difference between the two. The only difference between the two. The people on this side haven't stepped out of an airplane. The people on this side stepped out of an airplane. That's the difference. So what you see about today's message is, is in large part determined by which side of the line you're on. I want everybody on this side of the line. You want to know what that line is? It's the line of desire. I want you to flip the script of what you desire in terms of desiring wealth. So the next three weeks, I'm going to talk about these three things. We've been looking at desire, and we've talked about how God's desire is for you, and how we are to desire God as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts for you. That was the first week. But there are three primary desires that we chase after in life. This is pretty much common to the human condition, and it's not just a 2022 thing. It was in the 1700s, it was in the 1500s, it was in the 1200s, it was in the, the 100s AD, Right? We desire wealth, we desire importance, and we desire pleasure. Now, just think in your own life, are these not three strong desires in your life? Now, they may not be, look exactly that way, but if you, if you whittle it all down, boil it all down, what we desire is we desire wealth, we desire importance, meaning, impact, influence, right? We desire pleasure. Today, I'm going to talk about desiring wealth, and here's why. Everything else flows out of this one desire. 
So I'm going to ask you to change your mindset. I'm going to ask you, in fact, to change your heart. And, and look, there are generous people in this room. But I want you to be more generous because that's what God wants for you. And why? Because the more generous you are, the more life you actually have. I want you to change your mindset to where you don't measure any longer your net worth. Net worth is what? Net worth is how much are you worth? What is the value of your life based on the possessions you have? Your houses, your toys, your bank account, your retirement, that's net worth. And if you think about it, all the things in our life really boil down to how much you're worth, right? If you go to get a loan, what do they want to know? Your net worth. If you go to buy a house, what do they want to know? Your net worth. If, if they're talking to you about leading things, they want to know what's your net worth. But I want you to scrap that. It's important, but it's not as important as something else. I literally want you to readjust your thinking today. And this is not, this is not unique to me. I learned this on the, on the internet from a website called SeedTime.com. I listened to a podcast called Kerry Newoff. He's a leadership podcast. There's a guy who runs this website on his podcast, and here's what he said. Blew me away. He said, I stopped measuring my net worth, and I started measuring my net generosity. That is upside down, isn't it? See, net worth says how much are we worth. Net generosity is how much have I blessed. Net worth is how much have I stored? How much have I gained? How much do I carry? Net generosity is how much have I released? How much have I filtered through? How much have I managed? And here's what the Bible says. If you worry about your net worth and you protect your net worth, when I say protect it, I mean you grab onto it and you hold it like this, you will become poorer. If you worry about your, not worry, but if you think about your net generosity, what the Bible says is you will become richer. It's opposite of what the world says. Let me prove it to you. Stay in 1 Timothy, but let me show you what Proverbs 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11 says. Give me just a second. Talk amongst yourselves. All right. He, uh, Proverbs 11, verse 24 and 25 says this. You ready? One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. Now, who wrote that? God wrote that through Solomon. The Bible tells us that Solomon was the wealthiest man on the planet. We look to Warren Buffett. We look to Bill Gates. We look to all. None of them held a candle to the wealth of Solomon. You know what Solomon said? Let me read it to you again. One person gives freely and yet gains more. So in other words, when you have a debit in your account, God actually gives you a credit. And yet, the second part of that, another withholds what is right only to become poor. When you put a credit in your account, God makes a debit. Why? Because the biblical principle of sowing and reaping influences and covers every single area of our life. That's why I said, if you, if you get this, if you, if you fully grasp this, and I say that to you, but I'm saying that to me, because I'm not as generous as I want to be. You know, part of preaching is preaching, hopefully, out of the overflow of your heart. So what God is doing in me, that comes out every single week. And, and I think that's the design. I think, I think that's why God calls shepherds to be shepherds. 
But, but the thing that I'm seeing more and more and more is that I can't be generous enough. But I need to be more generous because the more generous I am, the happier I am, the more fulfilled I am, and the larger I grow God's kingdom, and the more I lift up His name. And so naturally, if I'm discovering this now at 48 years old, pastoring a church now for almost 18 years, what, would, what is it like for everybody else? I'm figuring everybody else wrestles with the same thing, right? But here's what I know. In this room, all of us are on a different part of the scale. Some of us are right on the line. We're, we're generous, but still holding on. Others are on the other side of the line. We are wildly generous, and yet we rec- those who are most generous always want to be more generous. You know that? Those on the other side, they're fighting and screaming, not wanting to get to the line because of the fear. You know the funny part about skydiving? Here's how you start. You, you, you get on this... I'm going to tell you the whole thing another time, but you get on this plane and... The, the guy basically said, we're going to scoot to the edge. I'm going to open up the side of this plane. We're this gaping hole. We're at 11,000 feet. I want you to stick your legs out of the window and cross your arms. Say, what? He said, yeah, I want you to cross your arms, stick your legs out of the plane. I said, out the window, out the plane. So I am, I am out like this, hanging out of this plane, and he is holding on. You know what he was trying to get me to do? He was trying to get me to let go because he was in charge, because he controlled the chute. He has the training. My life was in his hands. And if I were to grab on while he's trying to jump out, I'm going to cause danger and damage to him and to me and probably kill us both. You know why generosity is so important? You know why it's so hard to go across the line? Because we're holding on so tightly, afraid, ultimately, of trusting the God who made it all. That's what it is. Because ultimately, we feel like we want to control, and there's a lot of other things going on. But when we do what he says, cross your arms, stick your legs out of the plane, we cross that line, and he controls it, and it is truly a wild wild ride. So, a couple of things. One, I want you to change your thinking from measuring your net worth to your net generosity. Here's how you do that. Get a piece of paper. Make a spreadsheet. You can do it handwritten. You can do it on a computer. I can probably tell you who's going to do what, by the way. Based on what I know about you, I know which ones of you will get a scrap paper, and I know which ones of you will do it like this. Guess which one I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to try to remember it all. That's what I'm going to do. No, Write it down and and literally on the top of the page say, net generosity. This is the measure of my impact to the kingdom. And I want you to write down things like, I left an extra good tip because God said that this girl or this guy who's waiting on me needs a touch. What if you were the one that when, when you were eating your hamburger and you left a $50 tip instead of a $3 tip, what if you were the one that God sent to answer the prayer of that person that morning? God, I don't know what I'm going to do. My electric bill is four times as much. My baby needs diapers. And people haven't been coming into the restaurant. I don't know what I'm going to do. God, if you're real, I just need you to show up. And what if you were the person who prays before your meal and she happens to notice that, and then as you leave, you write a little note, I just wanted to bless you like God has blessed me. And you left her a $50 tip or 100 What 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 would that be like to do that? 
Anybody else get excited about that but me? Hey, when you do that, write it down. Say, bless the waitress. Now look, don't write down the three bucks you leave because that's what you're expected to do, okay? That's not generosity. That's expectation. I'm talking about the above and beyond. What about when you buy material or buy stuff to build somebody a cake? Did you catch that, by the way? I'm going to build her a cake. Napoleon Dynamite? Okay, never mind. In my, la- in my head, I'm wildly laughing, okay? I just want you to know. I'm, I'm dying here. What is- now you get it? Vote for Pedro. Come on. Okay. <laughs> so you, had to, you, you, you made somebody cake because it was their birthday or whatever. Write that down. Every time you, you, you do something in the name of Jesus for generosity, I want you to write it down. And here's why. When you start writing it down, you can start adding the totals. And it will tell you one of two things. It will tell you you are generous, you're not generous, or you're still working on it. And as you keep that list over the months and over the years, what you'll discover is that you will see that every single time you were generous, you were far more joyful than when you were not. So why should we pursue generosity instead of net wealth? Why should we desire generosity as opposed to wealth? By the way, if you think about this, desiring generosity is desiring wealth, but you're not desiring the riches, you're desiring the usefulness of the riches. It's putting money in its proper place. In second, or excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 6, here's why we do that, desire generosity as opposed to desiring wealth. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9, but those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, And many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. So you've heard it said, and and, and I'll remind you that money is not the root of all evil. It's the pursuit of money. It's the love of money. It's when you desire the wealth for the sake of wealth that, that grips your heart and it does all kinds of things. It, it sets a trap for you. It, uh, it, it, it has, leads you to foolish and harmful desires and it plunges people, it plunges you into ruin and destruction. That word plunges or that phrase plunges into destruction, uh, it means that you are cast into or you are you are almost groveling underneath it's this low position almost like you feel like you can't uh can't even control it it's 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 you being in a place where where you just are kind of going down the vortex if you will right and it and it and it never ends up good it always ends up bad i heard this morning a quote that i wish i'd have heard before because i could have I could have processed it more, but I, I very quickly went and I, and I searched out where the quote came from. And the best I can tell, it was an, a, a commencement address in, ni- in uh, 2014. Jim Carrey gave a commencement address, and in that address, he made a statement that is something like this. I wish that all people were rich and f- would become rich and famous and have everything that they desire so that they could discover... 
that it's not going to lead them to happiness. And if you know Jim Carrey's story, he basically had, had the world at, at his fingertips. Mr. Funny Man, making everybody laugh, making all kinds of movies, and yet he sunk deeper and deeper and deeper into depression. So all that he had, all that he had, had acquired, did not give him happiness. Now, to be fair, I don't, I don't think that he found the right answer. He went into some mystical, weird stuff to where it just it's weird, okay? That's not the answer. Jesus is the answer, but at least he found he had the right beginning in that all of his wealth, all of his riches, all of his fame led him to an emptiness that ultimately does the same thing for us. Now, you, you might say, well, I'm not trying to be rich. I just want to make it. But you see, here's where the heart is deceitful. We say things, but our actions demonstrate differently. The opposite of generosity is holding on to or is hoarding. You cannot be a hoarder and generous. It's one or the other because it is a conflict of the heart. It's an either or. It's a, the lights are on, the lights are off. The reason God says to be generous because the other alternative, the hoarding, the, the, the building of wealth for the sake of self leads us to becoming more and more uh, uh, wrapped around that. That becomes a desire and it leads us into all these different things and even to the point of wandering away from the faith or, or and piercing with many griefs. Some of the richest people on the planet are some of the un most unhappy people on the planet. You've heard it said, money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure does help. You know, it's not really buying happiness, it's buying temporary appeasement. It's buying temporary pleasure. At the end of the day, poor or rich is not what makes a person happy. It's what they do with what they have, and ultimately it's about what they do with what they have in terms of people. Every single time. So, what are we to desire? We're not to desire wealth, we're to desire generosity, but in desiring generosity, there's an understanding that wealth is part of that. There's an understanding that there's a reciprocation. If I sow generously, I reap generously. If I sow sparingly, I reap sparingly. But the origin of generosity is God himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to consider that you most look like Jesus when you are generous. If you want to look like Christ, that's how to do it. 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 9. You look like Jesus when you're generous, and His generosity has been demonstrated to us. This is the why, okay? 2 Corinthians 9, verse 9. As it is written, He distributed freely. Look at that. God, Jesus, distributed freely. That gives you the sense of God going, okay, one for you, one for you, one for you, no soup for you, one for you, one for you. Golly, well, y'all aren't catching my jokes this morning. Man, okay, I'll just laugh in my head. You know, God gives these things, and so if God is the one who distributes freely, the Bible says he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. 
You were the poor. I was the poor. What did God give you? God gave you breath. God opened your eyes. God gave you feet. God gave you hands. God gave you smell. You say, whoa, whoa, whoa. What I have, I've earned. I have done, uh, I have spent my life building my fortune. This is not God that did it. This is me who did it. Okay? Well, did you make a fortune or did you create a fortune? Because remember, last week we talked about the difference. If you make something, that means you're simply taking what already is and you're turning it into something else. But if you create something, you're taking something that's nothing and making it, right? You didn't create anything. All you did was make something. But how would you make that if you were blind, if you were mute, if you were deaf, if you didn't have uh, the background you had, if you didn't have the connections you had? See, we can, we can pretend like we made ourselves, but God is the one who is the giver of every good and perfect gift. Because at the end of the day, you're breathing right now, right? Whose air are you breathing? It's not yours. Not only that, but the lungs that you're using to breathe that air were given to you by God. The mouth that you're using and the nose that you're using to receive that air into your lungs was created by God. So everything you have, everything I have, comes from God. The Bible says that He gives freely. And then it says, now to the one who provides, see it's continuing this understanding, to the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So the food that you're eating, you might have grown in the ground, but you didn't, give, you didn't put the nutrients in the soil, and you certainly didn't create the seed. God created the seed. What if you didn't have seed? You'd have no fruit, right? And he says that God gave these things, and he will, he will provide and multiply the seed and then in verse uh, 11, you will be enriched in every way. Why? What does it say? You will be enriched in every way. What does it say? For all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. All that says this. Everything that we have has come from God, and because it's come from God, we're simply stewards of God, and the more we give, the more He gives. The more we hold on to, the more He restricts. Why? Because we are simply stewards and managers of the kingdom of God. You want to know why I'm so excited about this? Because I see it every single day. I see it in some of your lives, and I see it in my own life. I got to tell you, I live with a super shopper. My wife is a genius shopper. She literally has the gift of shopping. It's the spiritual gift of shopping. Now, most guys would be upset at this. They'd be like, oh, my wife, man, she keeps going out and shopping. She just buys, 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 buys. But see, she doesn't bring home shoes and dresses and all those kinds of things. I have to force her to buy something nice for herself. You know what she does? She buys Twix candy bars. That's right. Let me, let me tell you, ice cream. I'll tell you that in a minute. So a day or two ago, she got home like she does two or three times a week. 
And she carries these giant bags inside the house and she plops them down on the, on the couch. And then she starts going through them and she stacks them up. I said, so tell me about it. She's like, oh, I found all of the, the secret deals. She said, I wasn't going to go to this store, but I just felt like I needed to. And I walk in and there it was right in front of me, all of these deals. See, it was Valentine's clothes for kids marked down to pennies on the dollar. And so she bought all of them. And, I, and, and here's the funny thing. We don't have a three-year-old in the house. I don't even think I know a three-year-old. I mean, I might know one or two, but they all have clothes. She has all these kids' clothes and shoes and underwear and all this stuff. And you want to know why? Because there's a ministry opening up at High Point Church just down the road. And it's going to be a foster care ministry so that when a family receives a new foster kid, they can go to High Point, they can go into the closet, and they get all the clothes that they need to get this kid set up right away. Brand new clothes to make them feel important and safe in their new foster ha house. When she found out about that, she started shopping. Shopping, shopping, shopping. But here's the, here's the point. She said, I was in line to buy this stuff and the guy behind me only had two items. So I said, hey, you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. So he went ahead and he was curious. Like, do you have kids? No. Why are you buying all these kids clothes? Well, she told him what she was doing. He paid for his stuff. Pulled out 40 bucks. Said, here, buy more. Is that not what the Bible says? The rich, or, or excuse me, those who are generous will be given more, and those who are not, they'll be given less. Is that not what the Bible says? Over and over and over, I've seen in her life shopping, she finds things for a penny that everybody else walks by. Why? Because God knows that her heart is to bless and bless and bless. We have more toothbrushes and toothpaste and deodorant than Walmart does. Because regularly she gathers it all up and she gives it to a homeless place or she gives it to a foster place or she just gives it to a family in need. And I tell you all that to say, I'm watching this with my own eyes. And I'm telling you, if you're not in this game, you're losing out on a lot of fun. Here's the, here's the even better part. She's starting to teach other people in here. And they're all getting in on the excitement, Right? Why is this so fun? Because it takes a little bit of what God gives you and it explodes it to the point where you just cannot outgive God. Now notice, all of these things that she's buying cost us money. I have no idea how much we spend on stuff that we give away to other people. I, 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 prob I, don't even, I, I actually do want to know. You want to know why? Because I've got more than enough at home to handle all the needs and a whole lot of the wants. I'm the only guy that I know of who got a Groupon to skydive for 86 bucks. That's normally 149 bucks, just want you to know. Now, now, there are some things maybe you shouldn't spend a Groupon on. Maybe that's one of them. But, he, but here's why I say that. And I'm, only, I'm, not, I'm not telling you this to say, oh, look at me. I'm telling you this to say, I'm not saying anything that I haven't tested and tried myself. And I'm telling you, it works because God said that he loves a cheerful giver. And I'm not even telling you where to give it. I'm just saying, when you are generous, be generous in the name of Jesus. Because the more generous you are, the more God says, that's my boy. That's, that's what I've built them to do, to be a conduit of the blessings that come 
from the Father. And so, my prayer for you is that you would examine your own generosity. That you would, you would ask yourself, how am I doing in my desire? And if you discover that your desire is for wealth, just step up to the line, stick your feet out of the plane, cross your arms, and jump. Actually, you don't even have to jump. You just have to trust what God will do. You say, well, how do I know where to do it and what to do it? There, there's, there's no book. I mean, there, there's no guideline if it meets these criteria. It's a matter of living and walking by faith. You, you listen to the voice of God, and you're going to make some mistakes sometimes. I remember a long time ago, I was, uh, I was a youth pastor in Cantonment. I was a young guy, maybe 18. And I remember this lady called the church, and she was desperate. She didn't have any food, and, oh, nobody will help me. I said, I'll help you. So I went, and I bought food, and I went, and I delivered it to her. And, and, and as I was driving away, I said, you know what? I'm never, ever, ever going to not meet somebody's need that I know about uh, if I can. When it comes, I'm never going to let somebody go hungry. I just kind of said, that's what I'm going to do. A day or so later, I discovered that she does that all the time, and she, like, was using churches for it. And it made me feel made me feel used. It made me feel, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, violated in, in, in a way. But here's what the Lord said. He said, did you do it for her or did you do it for me? And that's really the question. Your generosity should not be for the other person, although they're the recipient of it, or whatever you're generous to, that's the recipient. Your generosity ought to be, you are giving it unto the Lord. And once you give it to the Lord, you let it go and you let God deal with it. Because it just might be that through that gift, even though they didn't deserve it, God uses it somehow to point them back to himself. By the way, you didn't deserve God's grace. And neither did I. We just didn't. What is your net giving or your net generosity? Do you even know? If you write it down, some of you are going to be surprised at how generous you actually are. And that is going to encourage you to be more generous because you're going to look around and go, I've eaten plenty. I can do more. Some of y'all are going to look around and go, man, I'm not very generous at all. Ultimately, I'm not really trusting God. I'm, I'm really hoarding this and I need to change that. And you're going to step across the line and you're going to say, I sure wish I would have done this sooner. So Charles Wesley, not Charles Wesley, um, John Wesley, in 1789 preached a sermon called The Use of Money. Here are his three points. Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. Those were his three points. And, the re, and, and, and what, what his points meant were earn all you can. Do everything you can do to make a good living. There is nothing sinful about making money and building wealth. Amen? I am not a health, wealth, and prosperity preacher. You know that about me. And the reason is that kind of preaching is usually centered around me. I do it so I can get. That's not what I'm saying because that's not what the Bible says. 
You're not generous so you can be blessed. You are generous because that's what Jesus is like. I want to be generous even if God doesn't bless me because that's what Jesus is like. Earn all you can. You and I should figure out ways to become more prosperous. Why? Because the more you have, the more generous you can be. I don't know if you know this, but we live in a very... Well, I'm not going to go there. The second... You just wonder what I was going to say, right? The second thing, earn all you can, save all you can. What he was saying was, be, be cautious about flippant spending. Don't just buy something because it's there. Actually value what you have and, and don't live an opulent lifestyle. Look, there, there are some things that I'm not going to pay just because the value of it is not great enough for me to pay it. Like, I have a hard time paying six bucks for a cup of coffee. I, there's nothing wrong with that, but to me, the value doesn't justify the cost. If, for, if it is for you, that's cool. That's no problem. But, but for me, it doesn't. But the third thing, here's what he said. He said, I'm preaching this message because we get the first two, but that last one, and, and he, he, he said of the Methodist movement. Remember, this is the beginning of Methodist. He said, if we don't get this one, we're going to basically die as a people. It will be the end of us as a people. Because when generosity is not present and when it is not radical, it closes up the hole and it suffocates those who say that they love God. But when generosity is present, God flows all of his blessings through us into the rest of the world. Um, there's a guy that I talked to this past week and he said... Uh, Oops. He said that he was a pastor. He's been a pastor of this church in, in Central Florida for about 30 years. And he said that there was a couple in his, in his church. They were an older couple, didn't have any kids, but they were, they were kind of miserly. Everything they gave was anonymous. So nobody knew that they had means and nobody knew that they were so generous. He found out after the fact. In fact, he said they used to kind of make, not make fun of them, but kind of snicker because... They were so miserly that after the Wednesday night supper, they would take the coffee that was left over and they would pour it into their, into their coffee, uh, uh, whatever they call the containers, take it home and warm it up throughout the week so that they wouldn't have to make coffee. They would just use what was already made. Now, I don't recommend that. Some things you just draw a line. Do not skimp on coffee, toilet paper, mayonnaise. Don't do it, okay? Don't skimp on that. Those are my three rules. Coffee, toilet paper, mayonnaise. Never. He said that the husband died, then the wife died within a handful of months. And they received a check for $500,000 from them. And the, North, uh, the International Mission Board got another $500,000. This, this couple, upon their death, gave a million dollars to the kingdom of God. Nobody knew. Here's the point. They were doing what the Bible says in the earlier part of 1 Timothy 6... I think it's the first time it is. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For you brought nothing into this world and you will bring nothing out of it. What they understood was they were content with their life in drinking warmed up coffee because to them it was good enough because when they were gone, they were able to bless the kingdom of God far beyond their own existence on this earth. John Wesley did the same thing. 
He actually said publicly, if I die with more than 10 pounds to my name, then I failed. He wanted to be radically generous. And John Wesley impacted the world. You see this building right here? You probably don't know Kathy Irwin. If you had not been here long, long, you don't know Kathy Irwin. Kathy Irwin called me one day. I was in a meeting over here with a bunch of pastors. She called me and left me a message, and the message went like this. Hey, Pastor, um, I feel like God wants me to pay off the Renfro building. That's this building. Give me a call. I didn't answer the phone because I was in a meeting. But during a little break, I listened to my voicemail. Hey, Pastor, I feel like God wants me to pay off. Whoa, I'm going to call you right now. So I called her. Hey, what's going on? She said, you know what? Last night, I just felt like the Lord was saying that I need to, I need to be generous. and I need to, I need to pay towards the building. Here's what's really cool. About a couple years prior, I made a statement to the church. I said, listen, I believe that God is calling us to pay this thing off. We owed a bunch of money on it. And I said, I believe we're going to do it. I didn't know how and I didn't know when. God just spoke that. I made a public statement because I, I wanted to believe God and I, I wanted to throw it out there. Well, somehow or another, God spoke to her and before she died, she wrote a check for $200,000, which brought us down to about 50. And in about two weeks, all 50 that was paid, paid and we are completely debt free as a church. But here's why that was important. What she did released us from being owned by the bank. Her generosity, I can trace back to God's blessing in our ministry because we were no longer tied to a requirement of the bank. We now had freedom to do all that God called us to do with the resources that we have. I don't know if you can understand that from where you're sitting, but from where I'm sitting, that was huge because we had some people, some people, we can't do that. We have a note we got, we're responsible for. We can't do that because we have bills we have to pay. Listen, you cannot outgive God. You just can't do it. So this morning, that's the prayer. Step over the line. And if you're on this side of the line, walk farther from the line. That's what we plan to do. Here's a funny story. Uh, Shannon carries a checkbook. I don't even know what a checkbook looks like. So she, she writes all the bills. And we talked last week, and, or I guess before last Sunday, hey, how much are we going to give to the renovation? And it came up with a number. She wrote the check for more than what we talked about. I'm like, okay, cool. Awesome. We'll never miss it. Like, like, we'll never miss it. We're eating. But what I know will happen is God will return that because we'll be able to do it again and again and again. If you want some of this, step across the line. Now, by show of hands, how many of you have experienced this truth to be true? Anybody? It is true. This is not about money. It's about your heart. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? This morning, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to trust Him. I want you so badly to know the hope that comes through salvation. I want you to know that God loves you 
not because of what you've done, but in spite of what you've done. I want you to know the Bible says that you're not good and I'm not good. That we're sinful. We, we offend the law of God. But it's by grace that we're saved through faith. So that none of us will have any arrogance or boastfulness in us. So this morning, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ, will you do that? It's an act of faith. It, it, it's expressing this to God. God, I do know that I'm a sinner and I'm broken. I'm lost. I'm separated from you. I place my faith in the work that Jesus did on the cross. He died, was buried, and rose again on the third day so that I could be made right with God. I place my faith in Jesus, and I surrender my heart to him. A heart attitude with, of that prayer. The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, will you do that? Father, I ask you to, to condition our hearts towards radical generosity. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hands to do, and a heart that is softened. Father, I pray that you would do exceedingly abundantly more than we could all ask or imagine. Father, I pray that today you would show us how good you have been. And I pray, Father, that our go-to normal response to everything in life, not just church, but everything, would be radical generosity. And Father, I ask that you would demonstrate, as you promised you will, that your word is true. And I ask this in Jesus' mighty name. God's people said, amen. So what is it that you need to do today? What is your next step? Um, you know, the best time to be obedient to God is now. A lot of times we want to think about it and process it. No. When you, when you hear the voice of God, you need, to, you need to do it. And experience the truth that he has for you. Will you stand? We're going to sing together. I'll be here in the front if you need to, to speak to someone, if you want to pray. Um, right where you are, if you want to pray. Just take a moment. Let's respond to what God has called us to do. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, 